A warning to listeners, the following story contains graphic sounds of warfare and references to drug use. This call is now being recorded. Uh, My name is Alexander Nicolas uh, Paz, and I served with uh, 101st Airborne 1st Brigade Combat Team 2nd 327th Infantry. I spoke to Mr. Paz, who goes by Nick, in late 2019, about two weeks after he arrived in Guatemala by way of Mexico. But to understand how he got there and what he's doing now, Nick takes us back to his upbringing in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Here's Nick. Um, growing up in southern New Mexico, it's, it's, it's a small city, about 150,000. Um, tight-knit it's it's what you would expect uh, um like flyover america uh farming community uh some of the best chili in the world comes from uh from the region uh great cooking uh we're, we're like a really family oriented uh city and it's it's all about football where i'm from but ask him what position he played and he'll tell you i i played uh left end on the bench that's that's I really didn't get any playing time. Yeah, I kept the seat warm. Had a it was it was a a great uh had a great time there. Um, just a normal kid in in America, just uh house parties I guess. Um, having fun and just going to school. Nothing nothing too crazy. Um, I was in seventh grade. Excuse me. Uh, when 9/11 happened, and I remember watching the towers fall in my uh, social studies classroom, and my teacher at the time told us, uh, uh, "Be aware, uh, you're living through history." Right. So that that stuck with me. Um, I graduated high school in 2007, and I always wanted to be in the army. I specifically wanted to be in the infantry. So just shortly after graduation, I found myself in basic. I wasn't in Kansas anymore. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, you, growing up in New Mexico, you're around, uh, predominantly, uh, Hispanic, uh, people. So it was a melting pot in ba- uh, basic. So you're around every, every walk of life you can imagine you're around. So it was a lot to take in. It wasn't very long after arriving at Fort Campbell in Kentucky that Nick found himself being deployed to Iraq, specifically the city of Samara, which lies in the Sunni Triangle, a very violent area in the early years of the Iraq War. On the flight over there, you know, it's it's like a 13-hour flight, 14. I probably got the hours wrong, but it's it's a long flight. It's a lot of time for you to think. And it it made me realize that that it's not just a, a... a little news story like this is this is real life there's consequences to this and the more i experience combat i would see firsthand the cost of war the cost of u.s policy and what i perceived at the time is the cost of freedom and we did combat operations, everything from 
Uh, we would call them hunter kill teams, uh, staying in houses, overwatching neighborhoods, to raids, uh, patrols, um, and you know, oftentimes we're outmanned but never outgunned. Just house to house combat, traditional during the surge in 2007 through 2009. Oh, 15 months. 15 months. Thank God 15 it wasn't months. two years. Yeah, that's <laughs> sounds like such a long time. And then the next tour was in Afghanistan. And it was just a big old firefight, man. It, it was just crazy in Afghanistan. I saw heavy combat, severe. Whether it was house to house or in Afghanistan, it was just, uh, I, I was in two of the biggest, uh, firefights for the 101st, battles, excuse me, for the 101st, um, Strong Eagle 1 was the name and Strong Eagle uh, 3, and these were in the valleys of Barawala, Calais, and Sarabay. Um, just bordering Pakistan, these were like, We'd go out on mission with five guys, six guys, and we'd do three, six, nine, twelve days in the bush, um, doing reconnaissance missions, uh, scout sniper missions, and just uh, just seeing a lot of death. You know, it changes you. Combat really, uh, it, it really uh, shattered me, right? It was, it was just a lot to take in, just uh, carrying uh, my brothers to the helicopter, uh, their chariot home, that was going to be their final resting place, using uh, simple grains to clean the humbees of the bloodstains. Uh, these, these images are, are burned into my psyche and they'll be with me till, the, till, till I pass on from this earth. So... Going from the sounds of cannons to the screams of silence, it really, it really uh, shattered my heart. And as his deployment ended, Nick began the assimilation process. He went back home to New Mexico, but things just weren't the same. He struggled to find his place. I had the will to do a lot, but I just didn't have the capabilities uh, at the time. I would just try one thing, pick it up, and then put it down. And whether it was going to school or, you know, going to a different city to get a new start, trying to become an electrician, or uh, facing my demons, and that was that was one of the hardest things I ever had to do, you know. And I I turned to substance abuse. Um, not to to get high to to party, but to to get numb and sort of calm the nerves to to digest what I had just experienced. And while we won't get into the types of drugs that Nick used explicitly, uh, he did try a lot of things to self-medicate. So I was just going through the gambit, trying to trying to figure out um, why. I had to suffer so much, why I had to, to see everything the way I saw it, and just trying to make sense of it, 
It was it was a lot for me. It's still a lot for me to digest. And he's come a long way too. Though he'll be the first to admit he's not where he wants to be, Nick looks back on some of the things he just wasn't able to do right after getting out of the military. Everyday normal things would freak me out. Going to the gas station, I couldn't make eye contact. I would get these crying spells. I, I would I would stutter. Um, my hand would shake crazy. Um, and I couldn't keep a, a conversation because I was just so into my, my thoughts. And while Nick has made great strides in these areas, he acknowledges these as just... Baby steps. And what has remained on his mind throughout all of this are the relationships that he formed with, as he likes to call them, his brothers. If there was a word stronger than, than brotherhood, I, I, would, I would use that word. Um, that's the best way I, I can express it. It's, it's the fraternity that it's going to last uh, a lifetime. The, the, we suffered together. Like I bled, I bled with my brothers. We, uh, we, we teared up together, you know? Dudes that would just put themselves in harm's way just to see their brother uh, to safety, even at the, the detriment of, of losing their own life. We're always checking up on each other, seeing how we're doing. And it's, it's just one of those things where we're just going to have to take it one step at a time. And whenever he's talking about his brothers, I can tell Nick is smiling. Even though I'm not looking at him. He just has that tone of excitement. Here he's talking about where they're from. From uh, Texas, from the backwoods of Florida. Um... DMV, uh, uh, Maryland, uh, Virginia area, uh, New York, uh, Ponce, Puerto Rico, uh, Detroit, Michigan, and it, it, it it's a uh, every different hue, every different hue, uh, religious background, um, and perspective. It, it was from the country bumpkins in Arkansas to like the city slickers, you know, in, in Detroit, Chicago. So it's just every walk of life i i was the youngest when i went into iraq right and and the guys you know, I, I was i was given a lot of love they they took me under their wing and, and i was i was these guys you know they they saw me in going as a as a innocent teenager and come out of nothing like they they showed me the right way <sighs> i was blessed with such great leadership Standing by the the uh, 55 gallon drum barrel that 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 we lit, had a little fire, um, talking about home, right? Sharing stories about our upbringing. You know, whether it was someone just pulling out a guitar, singing, and we're 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 all we got in the middle of this little combat outpost in the middle of the city, away from home. You know, we have the same conversations over and over and over again. You know, what are you going to eat when you get home? What are you going to do when you get out? And it's just, uh, 
it's just like the the little things you 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 know everything about that person to your left or to your right. And it's those guys, those leaders who Nick served with, that really gave him a new worldview, but also a view of himself post-military. I never felt right. Uh, trying to be normative, and I always continually question my utility. There's dignity in work. I just didn't feel right after experiencing what I did. It didn't sit right with me to try and be normal. I don't know if that makes sense. So he tried to find his normal by traveling all over the country. Between like 2013 to 20. 2018, I was all over the map. I was in Houston. I was in El Paso, Texas. I was in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, Vegas for a little while, LA, Oceanside. I was just, I was just restless, brother. Just restless. During this stretch on the road where he's looking for answers, Nick does receive confirmation of something. 90% for minor traumatic brain injury and uh, PTSD, you know, um, sleep mm-hmm. apnea. So I was able to pull income from that. And I just uh, just wasn't able to to ever find something that, that would give my, my soul peace, right? I just, I, as soon as I started settling down, I, I just, it, it would, the feeling of anxiety would overwhelm me. But what actually calmed him was knowing that he was being of service and an opportunity to help presented itself soon enough. And I started uh, asking around where the, where the refugees are, the migrants, and um, this is when the waves were coming, the, 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 um, yeah, the waves coming from, uh, from Chiapas on the way up north through the, through the beast. Um, and I go to Tijuana and I hand out supplies, just just regular things that I think they would need because I know that they're homeless. So like baby wipes, um, uh, feminine products, you know, little little things of water, right? And I go back to Oceanside and then I start asking myself like, what, like what what more can I do, right? You can only you can only feed them for a day, right? But how can I do something to help change? Which leads us to where Nick is and what he's doing now. Having walked away from a career as a mechanic, Nick credits that decision with seeing a social media post from someone who's usually telling jokes. George Lopez posted something about veterans being deported. So I started looking into that. And I was going to school at, at, in Rio Rancho at the time. I started looking into the deported veteran things. And then I started asking myself, like, am I... Am I going to commit my life to, to a, a career that I, I really don't have a passion for. There's dignity in it. There's a lot of money in it, but I, I, don't, I don't have a passion for it. And I started asking myself and doing the math if I could afford to live out in Mexico and, and you know, throw myself at this, see if I could actually contribute to, to helping out. And, you know, I, I, the answer was yes. And 
I made the trip out there in July. And the day I, I got to Juarez, uh, Congressman Seth Moulton arrived. And, you know, I started realizing, like, this was an actual issue. I spoke with a couple of deported veterans, and the, they just, I felt like a, a conviction about this. And I started, I dropped everything, I sold everything, and I, and I committed my life to this. But a lot, a lot of these brothers were, were lied to. Um, they did the proper things going uh, through their service, right? But um, there was just a disconnect, uh, whether it was through their leadership at the inception of the career, or um, they just got lost in, in, in the process. And they were still permanent residents when they got out of the service. They got in trouble with the law, and they were subsequently deported. For someone who's made his own mistakes in life, Nick can't seem to accept the reality of the situation. So he's become a resource for those that may not have anyone else. Because like him, these veterans gave themselves to their country, but unlike him, they cannot receive the same benefits, the same care, and the same help that he was able to get. And uh, it's not just black and white. Why didn't they just become citizens? It's each each story is unique. You know, it's it's not it's not black and white. There's a lot of areas of shaded gray. The ones in Mexico specifically were born in Mexico, but they they grew up in America, uh, ranging from you know just shy after birth to like seven ten years old. So they only know. Uh, America as their culture, right? They're culturally American. They went to our primary schools, middle schools, and high schools, um, right? So, and they served in the service. Some of them actually saw combat, right? So I gave you uh, a background of what I've seen, right? These men have seen the same thing, right? And I think it's because, uh, you know, I'm a brother, like I, I've served in combat just like them that they, they, uh, they've opened their doors to me. I've gone to their hometowns. I've seen the streets that they walk, um, the violence that surrounds them, um, the level of austerity that they live in, you know? And when I come to their house, when, when I'm welcomed into their home, it's, uh, they're, they're, uh, they're excited to talk about the war because they have no one to talk about the war with. They're, um, they're happy to speak English because it's not really a spoken tongue wherever they're at, for the most part, for the most part. I know what it's like to see combat. I know what it's like to talk to your demons and have better relationships with your demons than you do your better angels. So when I go to a brother's house and, um, and I'm walking among, amongst his, uh, his, his walking with him in his streets or just seeing his like sadness behind his eyes you know the the first thing i do is is not judge why he's there just sit down next to him and tell him what's going on brother let me let me listen to your story 
up until the election, I'm, I'm still going to be focusing on this, this immigration uh, work, I guess you could call it. Um, and then after the, after the election, I'll, uh, I'll revisit that. But I want to do, I think this, this, this gives me peace, right? When I'm, when I'm in a shelter and I'm talking to a family that's, that's from a uh, mutual conference that I met, you know, that's fleeing violence. And, you know, I see, I see, you know, the brother's daughters, her eyes. I, I think of my grandmothers that crossed the river uh, from Chihuahua, from Biomada, Chihuahua when the river was actually a river, the Rio Grande. You know, I, I, I think about, I think about, you know, the people that came before me, right? Show me where my dead are buried and I'll show you where my land is. This this work, um, for the first time in my life, I'm finding peace and, and doing something. It's greater than me. So I, I will keep on doing this until the election and then, you know, revisit that. And then see, we'll see where life takes me from there. If you or someone you know struggles with mental health issues or substance abuse, please know there's help out there. For online resources, visit samhsa.gov. Again, that's samhsa.gov. For true emergencies, dial 911. Or you can also call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at one 800 273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy the show, follow us on Spotify. Avanza Latino is brought to you by Spectrum Community Services. Gonzalez Consulting.